0: Welcome back to Reliving The War and welcome to the 6th of April 1998. Tonight, Raw's war takes place in Syracuse, New York while Monday Night rolls in Miami, Florida. Loads to get through again this week on both shows but before we begin I just want to say thank you for the great feedback I got for the Wrestlemania upload and the last episode of Reliving the War. It's great hearing how much you guys enjoyed them and it's great to hear that the videos can take you back to simpler times or they help you switch off from any bad stuff going on in your life right now, so that's awesome and I'm glad those two videos in particular went down so well. Secondly, just a reminder that this is the last Reliving the War episode getting uploaded before I take a two week break but you've got those 6 pay per view videos to watch while I'm gone, including Bash at the Beach 1996 and Raw Rumble 1996. There's a ton of additional compilations and supercuts scheduled for release too but those'll appear on the channel as bonuses and they won't affect the normal upload schedule, they're just extras if you guys want to binge out on ridiculously long videos. So that's all that out of the way, thank you for the feedback, thanks for being here today, grab your supply, soldier, let's get the show started and let's see what happened during Nitro's first 60 minutes. Nitro opens up and Randy Savage is seen outside the arena having a nap. This wasn't a voluntary sleep before the show though, someone jumped the Macho Man, who would do such a thing? An ambulance arrives for Randy, Liz looks concerned, Macho's holding his neck and shoulder so it looks like some serious damage has been caused here, brother. Tony Schiavone says the cameras were rolling before Nitro went on the air and hopefully we'll get to see a bit more as Nitro continues on. A big cruiserweight trios match kicks off the action, Psychosis Parka versus Judo Sua, Magnum Tokyo and Shima Nobugen, Nobunaga. Shiba Nobun. Judo Suwa, Magnum Tokyo and Shima Nobunaga, three students of Ultimo Dragon. The parka el dandy and psychosis worked as heels in this one but they got cheered thanks to how familiar they were to WCW audiences. The young dragon trainees were pretty good in the ring but they couldn't overcome two of WCW's finest cruiserweights plus a serious professional and a jam up guy. Psychosis gets the win with his guillotine leg drop, loads of action to start us off, loads of it. Outside the arena, Macho Man's dealing with the slowest medics in the world as he's still on the ground and he's still in serious pain. Disco Inferno gave Booker T a chance to save himself from the beating of a lifetime. He told Booker to hand over the TV title, put it around the waist of the inferno and Booker can go home and forget he ever became a pro wrestler. Booker said not today sir and Disco got floored. So Disco decided to go on a chinlock spree to try and secure a submission victory, he only performed two but his heart was in the right place. Booker fought back as expected and clearly Tony Schiavone didn't listen to our advice last week. The pick up. Oh! Sidewalk slam. Oh. Booker T wins with a missile dropkick. He's gonna go on to Spring Stampede to face Chris Benoit in another TV title defense against The Crippler, and I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Lenny Lane vs. Kidman took place next. Doesn't sound great, I know, but check out Mark Curtis asking for the opening bell. Our next pay per view after spring- Legend. I'm quite enjoying watching Kidman matches from this era though, he bumps like crazy for guys and he even makes Lenny Lane look pretty good in this matchup. Oh, Leonard's had a few stinkers on Nitro as we all know but here he was absolutely fine. Smackhead wins it with a shooting star press or the 7 year itch. James J Bebe Dylan gives us an update on the Macho Man and the update is… I have no idea what's going on. There's an investigation going on, it looks pretty serious and it's unknown what's going to happen in regards to Savage's world title shot at Spring Stampede against Sting, all points and facts that you could've came up with yourself within the first 10 seconds of Nitro. Conan and Norman Smiley then had a match and you gotta love how Conan distracts the referee here, Nasty Nick Patrick is the world's biggest sucker. Norman Smiley was good in the ring here but it's evident that ring work alone wouldn't be enough to carry him through a successful run in WCW. He needs to develop a character to stand out especially in the position he was in on the cards but thankfully that would eventually happen. And on top of that he'd turn out to be a pretty fun character indeed when things picked up. Here, though, Conan defeated Smiley with his cradle DDT followed by a tequila sunrise. We were then promised the DDP vs Buff Bagwell match but it ended early when Raven showed up and DDP got himself counted out. Trust me, you didn't miss out on much, you know now how Bagwell matches go at this point. Bagwell said that this countout victory meant he was the new US champion and he told Dave Panzer to go get his championship built. What Bagwell didn't know though was that DDP was back in the ring at this point, Buff Daddy gets dropped, with a diamond cutter and the crowd goes nuts. We start off the head to heads with promos, Vince McMahon on Raw, Hulk Hogan on Nitro, The crowd chants Austin as Vince begins his promo. He says getting the cops involved last week to arrest Stone Cold was the toughest decision he's ever made in his life and it was thanks to Vince that Austin got released later that same evening. Vince says Austin's learned his lesson and he learned it the hard way, no longer will Austin be considered a beer drinking, hand gesturing, trash talking blue collar WWF champion because tonight fans are gonna see a new and improved Stone Cold Steve Austin. Even better, Vince guarantees that the fans will see a new and improved Stone Cold or they'll get their money back for attending Raw. This lady here was absolutely fucking delighted at this news. Vince leaves the ring and the crowd continue to chant Austin's name. We get to see what happened before Nitro went on the air, a red Dodge Viper drove away from the crime scene while Vincent and the NWO booty Man just stood around, the absolute bottom of the NWO barrel. Vincent said this was NWO business while the booty man intimidated Elizabeth. I'm pretty sure Elizabeth could kick Ed Leslie's ass, but nonetheless, we now know the NWO is behind this attack. Shocker. Prime suspect Hulk Hogan comes out for his weekly promo with the rest of the NWO, and look, Eric Bischoff isn't here and he's not holding the microphone for Hogan. Maybe what Sean Waltman said last week hit a nerve. Alright, what's Hogan got to say this week? He says he got caught in traffic and he hit a few speed bumps on the way to the arena, so there you go, mystery solved. Hulk says he and big Kevin Nash are like brothers and Kevin's got himself a shot at Sting's world belt tonight, Nash is gonna bring that championship back to Hollywood because he's NWO for life. Hogan says there's no power struggle in the NWO, the group will be back on track after tonight's world title match and Hulk Hogan wraps it up by saying he and Nash are gonna quote, kill two dirty birds with one stone when they face Roddy Piper in that big stinky giant at Spring Stampede. Hulk Hogan's making me lose subscribers at this point. Oh dear, Dan Severn vs Flash Funk on Raw, Goldberg vs Van Hammer on Nitro. Alright, let's get the Nitro stuff out of the way. Spear, not the best Spear ever, but still a Spear. There's a Jackhammer, and Mike Tenay says Van Hammer has just become victim number 69. Nice. Goldberg defeated his little bitch Jerry Flynn yet again, only this time it took place at Malice at the Palace, a show fans could listen to on WCW.com and imagine big sweaty dudes rolling around in the ring. And then on the 14th of April, two days later Goldberg defeated the legendary Terence Black. This match and a few others were recorded at Universal Studios but they didn't air on TV, not nationally anyway. So this Van Hammer win means Billy Boy is actually 62-0, WCW coming a bit early with that 69. Perry Saturn puts the rings of Saturn on Hammer because he's such a big heavy metal loser, though Perry's gonna get his opportunity to face Goldberg at Spring Stampede next week. On Raw, Flash Funk is Flash fucked because he's got a match against Dan the Man Severn, and Dan actually beats the gimmick right off Flash Funk tonight. After this match, Flash decided he wasn't so funky anymore, and the gimmick gets retired for good. Look at the gold, look at the straps this man has accumulated by making people squeal like pigs. Mate, if I was on the booking sheet against Dan Severn, I'd pack my things and put in my application for the NWO. Funk hits the mat after a waistlock takedown, and he has to fight just to make it to the ropes. Severin performs a fireman's carry takedown followed by a cross arm bar, once again Funk panics and he has to reach out to the bottom rope. Flash thinks he's being smart by bringing Severn to the corner but the beast scoops him up for a big spinebuster, and then the open palm strikes begin. Dan Severn slaps the holy hell out of Flash Funk and when the referee tells Danny to knock it off, he just jumps back onto Flash and the slaps continue. The two get up, Flash counters a gut wrench suplex with a crossbody but Severn fires back with a big overhead throw. Funk tries to reply with a kick to the face but Severn feels no pain, Funk hits the mat again and an armbar makes Flash top out. If you like no-nonsense offense, you'll like Dan Severn. Cornette presents the beast with all his championship belts as Flash Funk reconsiders his wrestling career. DX are then seen walking around backstage and they're being assholes, vandalising innocent chalkboards and whatnot, the degenerates are on their way to the ring right now and they're gonna cut a promo. So we have a DX promo on Raw while Roddy Piper has something to say on Nitro. Piper's promo is short and sweet, he says he's got one tough giant waiting to fight at Spring Stampede, and as for Roddy, well, he says he's whacked out and totally crazy, alright. And then Roddy says he once beat up a transvestite with a baseball bat, his name was Goldust and Roddy made a man out of him this makes the crowd pop, but it does feel a little unnecessary. Anything can happen when you put four guys in the ring with a baseball bat suspended in the air, and it gets even crazier when one guy hasn't got a brain. There's more possibilities than Bill Clinton has girlfriends, but after what Hogan did to Randy Savage earlier on, Piper doesn't want to wait until Spring Stampede and he's gonna come after Hogan tonight, remember he already did this last week. Piper wraps up his promo by saying once he gets done with Hogan tonight, Hollywood will be for RuPaul. On Raw, Triple H says he promised a revolution last week and people should take note, Hunter always lives up to his promises. Road Dogg does his ladies and gentlemen spiel as a member of Degeneration generation X, he says this is a match made in heaven comprised of the youngest and most capable athletes in the business today and that's a cold hard fact. Xbox says, If you came to see the grumpy old men stinking the joint up, you came to the wrong place. DX is young and hungry, and they're, quote, getting jiggy with it. Yeah. Triple H takes a page out of Scott Hall's book when he says, The WWF, you want a war? You got it. Hunter says this is the DX army and Triple H's wee man is caught locked and ready to unload. We hear boos, but we see the crowd cheering. The WWF were clearly editing the crowd reactions and maybe they were misjudging this new DX early on because by the looks of things, the crowd wanted to cheer for them. After the promo, we see the boys torturing some poor crew member, they're using spray paint, how original, and the crew member gets tossed into the backstage interview set before DX put a barrel on his head. JR compares it to schoolyard shenanigans, and that's exactly what it was supposed to be. Steve Blackman vs Brian Christopher, Ultimo Dragon vs Eddie Guerrero. Steve Blackman heard Brian Christopher play country music on his CD Walkman backstage and Steve felt a sharp pain on his chest, so he's out here to destroy Too Sexy and set an example. Christopher mocks Blackman at the beginning of the match and this was such a mistake, a back kick makes two sexy shit his guts out and Christopher takes another stiff kick to the chest at the other side of the ring. Tennessee Lee comes out, that dirty liar Tennessee Lee, he joins the commentary table and he's gonna reveal that big surprise he talked about last week. Inside the ring, Blackman performs a sweep and then he overhears Lee's big announcement, an announcement that could, in fact, destroy Steve Blackman and render him a regular peasant just like us. At Unforgiven, live on pay per view, Jeff Jarrett's gonna play country music live. He's bringing Sawyer Brown along with him, and there's gonna be a country concert. This is bad news. Blackman can't believe the nerve of Double J and Tennessee Lee. Christopher takes advantage of the shock and too sexy takes the lead. Blackman takes the full Nelson face crusher as Lee leaves the announce desk. Bryan hits a missile drop kick, and just when you think Steven's out for the count, he comes back with a big old Alabama slam. He then pulls off a kinda inverted gut wrench suplex, but he misses a drop kick. Christopher fails to capitalize when he comes off the top rope again, so Blackman ends it with a devastating motherfucker kick followed by the motherfucker lock. T. Lee then tells Blackman to hold up because Double J wants the come down on his horsey and mess Stevie up. Blackman waits for Jared, but Double J was one step ahead on this evening. Jared swings a guitar and the guitar smashes into a million little pieces because it couldn't withstand the sheer brilliance of Steve's glorious hairdo. Steve takes a short nap afterwards and he thinks about what he's gonna do to stop this country concert at Unforgiven. Chavo Guerrero comes to the ring with Uncle Eddie and Eddie once again gives his nephew a hard time. Last night, Grandma Guerrero called Eddie in bits because she wasn't allowed in the potluck club, her her pot of menudo was rejected and it's all because they don't accept losers. Grandma Guerrero's related to loser Chavo, so it's Chavo's fault. Uncle Mondo was also kicked out of the lowrider club because his nephew's a loser. Eddie says Chavo could get a lot of experience tonight by beating Ultimo Dragon, it'll give Chavo an opportunity to make amends with Grandma and Mondo, so Eddie demands that Chavo apologises to Grandma and tell Grandma he's gonna do his best. Chavo does it and it looks like Chavo's gonna wrestle the dragon instead tonight. Chavo keeps teasing us guys, two chin locks again. He won't reach the magic number because he knows we're watching. Grandma Guerrero would forgive him straight away if he just pulled off three chin locks again. He also would have defeated Ultimo Dragon if he followed the ways of the bulldog. Dragon counters a powerbomb attempt and he smoothly applies the dragon sleeper, Chavo taps out and the Guerrero family are still barred from their respective clubs. Eddie humiliates Chavo by hitting him over and over again with a towel and Chavo takes a few slaps across the face, he wants to be thankful it wasn't Dan Severn smacking him around. DX are walking around backstage and they come across the DOA's motorcycles. Triple H, the big edge lord he is, dares the outlaws and X-Pac to take a whiz on the bikes, China gets a pass on this one. So the lads do their thing while Triple H watches on like the fierce leader he is, this is how you get accepted into elite factions like the Generation X guys. The bikers may like Michael but they don't like DX pissing on their tricycles, tonight they'll get a shot at revenge when they face the outlaws and Triple H in the main event. Up next we have a Jack promo on Raw. On Nitro, Lex Luger takes on Barry Darso. Yeah. Alright, so Cactus brings a chair to the ring, he takes a seat, and he discusses what happened in last week's Steel Cage match. People have been asking him how his holding up after the Spike Pile Driver, and Mick says he won't let scum like Degeneration X put Cactus Jack away. Terry Funk's not here, Foley had to leave a message on his answering machine, and Mick says Cactus Jack and Terry Funk never miss wrestling matches, so things must be bad. Cactus puts Terry over, he says all the boys in the back agree that he's the gutsiest old bastard alive. Terry wanted to retire as a WWF champion but the outlaws forced that tag team match on Raw last week and Terry couldn't retire the way he wanted to. Mick then talks about Raw going off the air last week and fans were chanting for Steve Austin and this affected Foley, he says it made him sick. When he debuted in the WWF two years ago, fans kept telling him to bring back Cactus Jack, through the Mankind and Dude Love runs, it continued to happen, people kept asking for Cactus, so Foley gave the fans what they wanted, he gave them every bit of energy he had as Cactus Jack, and when Mick lay there helpless on the mat, the fans chanted for someone else. Foley's happy that Austin's champion, he considers Austin a friend, but what the fans did last week was disgusting, the only way Foley can get over this is if the fans give him a group apology right now. The fans are kinda mixed really, they chanted Cactus's name briefly, they don't boo but they aren't really cheering either. Foley says it's not worth it anymore and it's gonna be a long time before we see Cactus Jack in the ring again and then he leaves. Looks like a heel turn, smells like a heel turn, but would it be wise to turn Cactus now after the success he's had as a babyface? He then grabs the mic again on the outside of the ring and he begins to tear up when he thanks the fans who got something out of watching Cactus Jack wrestle. So, did he really turn heel? Well, that's what's good about this and this era in general, especially on the WWF side. There's loads more room for grey areas and not everything has to be so cut and dry. Great mic work here though, Foley's a master. At these types of promos, from this thought-provoking stuff on Raw, Alex Luger versus Barry Darso on Nitro. Man, I remember saying way before Starcade, the WCW have no idea what to do with Luger anymore, and still he's just floating around doing nothing substantial. At this point, he's just getting thrown out there to put someone in the rack. Barry Darso is quite the charisma vacuum too at this point in his career. So this is just another predictable Nitro match that absolutely no one will have any kind of investment in. We can spend our time talking about other stuff, there's nothing to say here. Luger wins with the torture rack. The Rock defends his icy title against Owen Hart on Raw, on Nitro, Davey Boy Smith and Jim Neidhart take on Kurt Hennig and Brian Adams. Alright so I won't watch Luger vs Darso but you can bet your ass I'm gonna dissect this Nitro tag match like it's a Wrestlemania main event. I know, I'm a hypocrite and I don't care. Ravishing Rick Rude's back at the commentary desk and no, unfortunately Jim does not shout you rude during this match. I know, I was disappointed too. The NWO guys attack early but the Anvil and the Bulldog fight back and Kurt Hennig and he calls for his usual timeout. He tells Adams that Jim's got a bag of snow in his coat pocket and Adam says don't sweat it, he already stole it at the beginning of the match, Jim has no idea. The anvil no sells a few chops before hitting Kurt with a clothesline. The anvil tags in Davy, Kurt tags in Adams. Davy gets suckered in with a test of strength, but he counters a suplex with his own signature vertical suplex. Davy's looking good tonight, folks. It only takes one move. Davy kicks Adams in the midsection before tagging the anvil back in. Jim launches himself over the top rope with a shoulder charge. Adams kicks out of the follow-up cover and oh, chin lock from the anvil. The Bulldog's been giving Jimbo a few tips backstage. Davy admires the masterful chin lockery going on right in front of him while silently critiquing the anvil's technique. Henny comes back in and Jim takes a spectacular bump from a knee lift. A quick tag leads to Adams getting back in, but Jim tags out and now Brian Adams is proper fucked. Oh no, never mind. Bulldog takes a pile driver while Rude leaves the commentary table to get a closer look. After a commercial break, we see Davy and a Brian Adams bear hug and the crowd are chanting boring. Adams then press slams Davy and look at this. What a show of strength. The crowd are still being very harsh here as Jim and Kurt get back in, Jim takes a bite out of Hennig so Rick Rude gets on the apron and he needs the anvil, Kurt pulls off the perfect plex and the match ends, the NWO win another one. Davey decides to go after Rick Rude while surrounded by enemies and you can guess how that worked out. Here comes the hitman once again, he clears the ring, he says the same thing as before and apparently the days of people ganging up on other people are over and it's all starting to feel a little empty now, isn't it? Over on Raw, we see footage of Farouk arriving at the building earlier on, and just like Macho Man, he too got jumped. The Rock and the Nation beat up their former leader, and gotta say, it's a pretty violent beatdown for a pre-tape. Make no mistake about it, Farouk is completely out of the nation, and The Rock is the new ruler of the WWF's current longest-running faction. We get the first finally promo here, though Rock would tweak it a little as time went on. Finally, the people's champ! Return home to Syracuse. Owen Hart comes down to the ring and the Blackheart has a chance to win the IC title tonight, a title he lost back at the 1997 Survivor Series. The crowd chant Rocky sucks and they get under the skin of the people's champion before the two lock up. Owen gets slapped in the face but he replies with an arm drag and an armbar combo. Rock brings Owen to the mat, Owen gets slapped around again and Jim Ross says Luna Vachon's gonna wrestle a man later in the War Zone. I wonder who the opponent will be. Owen and Rock trade wrist locks and Owen pulls off his headstand counter and we see more slapping, loads of slapping tonight on reliving the war. Kama grabs Owen's leg, he makes a scene afterwards and so the nation gets sent back to the locker room because they couldn't keep their mouths shut. Rocky runs straight into a sleeper but he gets out and Owen gets planted with a DDT, Rock then pulls off his old jobber move, the deadly shoulder breaker, and he follows this up with a people's elbow, the great one was still not winning matches with this move though. Owen begins firing up with a few clotheslines and a swinging neckbreaker, Rocky takes a ton of rights in the corner, the sole survivor pulls off a spinning wheel kick but Rock kicks out of the cover afterwards. The IC champ tries to end it with a rock bottom, Owen counters with an elbow and we see an enziguri, Owen applies the sharpshooter, we should have a new IC champ ride here but China shows up and she smacks Owen with a baseball bat, it's a DQ finish unfortunately. Strangely, China walks past her DX teammates and she drops the baseball bat at their feet. X-Pop notices something's off, but Hunter just laughs. Not sure if there were other plans in the works here, but you'd think from a storyline perspective that China didn't want to do this to Owen, judging by her actions afterwards. Vince McMahon and Steve Austin meet in the ring on Raw, on Nitro Chris Jericho takes on Juventud Guerrera, again. McMahon comes to the ring with his security guards and he wastes no time in introducing the new and improved Stone Cold, and by god King, there's Stone Cold in a suit, hell just froze over. He wants to get on the top rope but McMahon advises against it, and even though Austin has seemingly gone corporate, the fans are still going nuts for the champion. McMahon says this is the first step in Stone Cold becoming the greatest champion of all time, he knows this isn't easy for Austin and he knows it's gonna take a lot of hard work but Vince thanks Stone Cold for taking a step in the right direction. There's one small problem though, McMahon wants to know where Austin's Gucci shoes are, McMahon needs stone cold dressed like a champ from head to toe and he's not wearing his expensive footwear. Austin says they were hurting his feet so he put on his wrestling boots instead, he tells Vince to, (laughs) to give him a break here because he's trying really hard. McMahon then removes Stone Cold's baseball cap, he says it's nice but it doesn't go with the suit, Austin says that was a damn good hat after Vince throws it in the audience, but now it's question time for Stone Cold. McMahon wants to know what made Austin change his mind and Stone Cold says when he was sitting in his jail cell last week when the guards wouldn't bring him his bread and water, Austin realized that he may not have a chance in hell when going up against someone like Vince McMahon. Little old Stone Cold from Victoria, Texas versus Vince McMahon of Greenwich, Connecticut. A lonely redneck versus an entrepreneur and a leader, Austin decided hell no he can't beat Vince McMahon, he won't grovel to Vince because he's bending his back as it is, so Stone Cold is now corporate and Stone Cold wants a photo to mark the occasion. The boys get a snapshot and Austin tells McMahon the old Stone Cold would've told Vince to take that camera and stick it up his ass, but instead, the new Stone Cold wants McMahon to take the camera and go and get the film developed, because this is the last time McMahon will ever see Stone Cold wearing a stupid suit. Austin removes the suit and he throws it into the audience, he says what you see is what you get and Stone Cold won't change for anybody. Austin wants Mr. McMahon to bow down to Stone Cold, Vince takes a backhander right to the Dick. and Stone Cold gets a photo before repeating that he won't change for anybody, that's the bottom line cause Stone Cold said so. This was entertaining as hell and it's still funny today, Austin wasn't a one trick pony when it came to promos, that's for sure. To think that we're only at the beginning of this rivalry too is pretty exciting. Chris Jericho comes to the ring and he dedicates this episode of Monday Night Jericho to Dean Malenko. On behalf of the Jericho-holics around the globe, Chris pleads for Dean to be a little trooper and come back to WCW because Malenko's the second greatest wrestler in the world today. Chris announces that Prince A.K. is getting a shot at the cruiserweight belt at Spring Stampede and Chris can't understand why, the guy can't even afford a pair of wrestling boots. And as for Quasi Juice tonight, Jericho's gonna beat him again like usual and apply the lion tamer… and then- and then I'm gonna rock down to electric avenue and I'm gonna take it higher Good God, we're gonna rock down to electric avenue and then we we'll take it higher Hoofie isn't in the mood for fun and games he takes it to jericho right away and the Ayatollah is already in trouble. Chris takes an upside down corner bump and Guerrera immediately follows up with a drop kick, Guerrera then lands on his feet after a suplex attempt and he hits Chris with a quick clothesline, and then Hoovy applies a sleeper. When the two get up, Jericho puts Hoofy in his place after Guerrera hits him with a jumping back kick, and Chris follows this up with multiple backbreakers, he says that this is hold number 510. Hoovy comes back with a great drop kick after getting launched by Jericho, he counters a powerbomb attempt with a DDT, and Hoovy was so close to winning the challenge, championship here but Nick Patrick's hand doesn't slap the mod for the three count, the crowd think the world's greatest referee may have fucked up here. Guerrero delivers the Huvi driver, he goes up for the 450 but Jericho stops that from happening. in, Hoover tries an aerial attack instead but he gets caught out and Chris applies a lion tamer. Remember, Hoovy made the rookie mistake of saying never surrender, so he won't submit to the lion tamer even though his back must surely be broken at this point, so Prince Ike shows up and the prince throws in the tall, Chris Jericho retains the cruiserweight championship on nitro. Ikea and Jericho have a brief fight and Jericho gets sent to the outside and that's how it ends. A decent match again, I thought Hoovy and Jericho worked well together in all their matches. On Nitro we've got Scotty Steiner vs Boy. on Raw we have Luna vs Matt Knowles and Mark Merrow vs Ken Shamrock. Before the raw matches, the DOA come out and they challenge DX to a match, that's all well and good but the match was already announced when Hunter watched his friends urinate earlier on. So, Luna vs Matt Knowles then, Matt Knowles fuck all about wrestling, Goldust attacks the purple jobber and Luna just watches, Maddie gets clotheslined and suplexed before the match even begins, and then Luna smacks Knowles before delivering a monkey flip, Luna then goes to the top rope, she performs a diving headbutt that almost hits Matthew right in the dick, and Luna wins the match, not sure why this was booked in the first place to be honest. Val Venus then cuts another promo and he says his latest movie's called As Hard As It Gets and Mr. Venus says he rises to the occasion in this new straight to video extravaganza, I'll put it on the list along with live hard. Ladies, when Val Venus enters the world wrestling federation, let's just say it'll be a scream. Val Venus is coming folks, grab your raincoat. Mark, Mero and Sable get in the ring and Mark calls his wife pathetic before sending her back to the locker room. Ken Shamrock comes out, someone who Mark won't dare call pathetic and The Marvelous One tries to break Shamrock's six pack with a few body shots. Shamrock absorbs the punches and he gives Mark a few back in return along with a stiff kick. Meru takes a clothesline and he replies with a running knee lift, he then tries going back to the punches but Meru's strike game is no match for Kenny boy Shamrock. A kick sends Mero down and Ken goes for a submission but Mero makes it to the ropes, so the two get up, Ken tries a Frankensteiner, and Mero counters with a sit-down powerbomb that actually looked great, credit where it's due. Mero goes for the TKO, Shamrock counters, we see the belly to belly suplex, and just as Shamrock was getting in the zone, the nation run down to the ring. Shamrock gets out of the ring, he grabs a steel chair, and the nation reconsider their attack. So the boys come up with a plan, Shamrock gets distracted by The Rock and this allows Mark Henry to get in the ring and deliver a belly to belly suplex. The nation then get inside the ropes and the beating continues with a Mark Henry splash and a frog splash from D'Lo. The Rock says this is the dawn of a new era, it's a new nation and a new domination and Rock leaves Shamrock with the same parting gift he gave Farouk last week, a good old kick to the chest. On Nitro, I've got absolutely no idea why Scott Steiner's wrestling Sick Boy, and the commentators have no idea why Vincent's carrying a trophy that likely belongs to Steiner. But I'm sure all will be revealed very soon. Steiner brings it down to the mat, and Sick Boy tries to get to the ropes. So Scotty chokes Sick Boy as Vincent does what he does best: stand on the outside and shout a bunch of nothing. Sick Boy gets rammed into the corner. Steiner again chokes out his opponent. We see a big pop-a-pump clothesline followed by an elbow drop and some push-ups. Sick Boy ends up on the apron and his usually great-looking springboard dropkick doesn't look too great this time around. Scotty performs a belly-to-belly, and Scott wins with a Steiner recliner. There's a real problem on Nitro at the moment with random matchups, it's good seeing wrestlers mix it up and fight guys they haven't fought before, but you need to create something, anything around it. It also feels like matches are getting pulled out of a hat and that's absolutely fine for shows like Saturday Night and Worldwide, on Nitro though the competition's becoming way too fierce and you need to give people a reason to watch the matches, Nitro's been really predictable this week due to the nature of the matchups. Raw ends this week with an Undertaker promo in that DX vs DOA 6 man tag. On Nitro, Kevin Nash battles Sting for the world title. Kevin Kelly wants to know if the Undertaker can really take on Kane again after what happened at Wrestlemania, Taker says his little brother found out that the phenom is the lord of darkness at Mania and even though Kane gave the Undertaker the biggest fight of his life, there's something the devil's favourite demon needs to understand, the soul powers the body, Kane's soul is unpure while Taker has a pure soul, and that's why Kane was defeated at Wrestlemania. Undertaker thinks the inferno match is a desperate challenge coming from desperate men, it doesn't matter if there's fire around the ring or fire in the ring, when Kane gets settled out it'll be the beginning of his eternal damnation. The lights go out and we see Paul Bear and Kane at the graveside Taker visited two weeks ago, Paul and Kane stand beside the graves of Taker and Kane's parents, and Paul says he's gonna ensure Taker dies a slow and painful death at Unforgiven. First, Kane will beat the Undertaker senseless, and then the inferno will set Taker ablaze, the hot fire will send Taker straight to hell, and while Taker was saying all this, Kean destroyed the gravestones and he set them on fire. That's some highly flammable gravestones right there. Taker looks disappointed of course, I mean, who wouldn't be? DX come to the ring for the main event, we've got the Outlaws and Triple H competing in the ring while X-Pac provides commentary, the DOA storm down, and we've got a big brawl to start us off. The dirty old assholes clear the ring, and X-Pac laughs at Jerry Lawler's brilliant pee jokes at the commentary table. Road Dogg and Chains start the match off, and Chain's completely outwrestles the real Double J. So Badass and The ball take over, and once again the backer Michael are one step ahead of DX. Billy gets taken down with a swinging neckbreaker, and the two baldy backer Michael double team Badass. Triple H looks on as if to say, "Well, bringing these guys in was a mistake." Hunter gets tagged in and of course DX now get the upper hand. Skull has to fight out of the DX corner but Triple H is right there for a facebreaker knee smash. In comes Road Dog again and he flips chains off before dropping a knee on Skull and look at that, devastating rest holds in a 6 man tag. We take a break and we come back to see Triple H taking a sidewalk slam, the two then crawl for a hot tag but we miss the entire build up at this moment so it means nothing. The guys tag out and a massive brawl breaks out, all 6 men fight until only chains and Triple H are left in the ring, Hunter takes a power slam, Billy Gunn breaks up the cover, Badass then takes a backdrop and this allows Hunter to perform a pedigree on chains and he wins the match. DX, including X-Pac, grab chairs and the dirty old assholes get wiped out they all get taken out with multiple chair shots, and chains takes a billy gun pile driver on a chair. DX then tie chains to the ropes and chief asshole is now in trouble. What chains needs right now is a pair of professional lifesavers and here they come. LOD 2000 attack DX and the show goes off the air with another brawl inside and outside the ring. Not a terrible main event on raw but it does leave you wanting to see more of DX, which I guess was the intention. Kevin Nash grabs a microphone and he says he listened to Hogan blobbering on for 45 minutes like usual earlier on. Nash knows that Hogan owns a red and yellow Dodge Viper and he knows it was Hulk who took out the Macho man, and that's why Nash is wearing a savage shirt. Kevin says he needs to be careful wearing a fellow wrestler's shirt because the wrestler tends to get fired when Nash wears their merch. A little shot at Bischoff here for firing Sean Waltman. Nash says he won't hand the world belt to Hogan if he wins tonight. The only place it's going's around Kevin Nash's sexy waste. if hollywood keeps doing what he's doing then at spring stampede there's a good chance nash will just grab the bat and every guy standing in the ring including hulk hogan is gonna get taken out. Sting makes his entrance, Nash tries the belt on and he gives it a kiss, the two taunt each other before things get physical and Nash overpowers the champ to start us off. Sting gets choked in the corner and a few right hands put Sting on the mat, a few back elbows follow, but Sting comes back with clotheslines and Kevin goes down to one knee, Sting delivers a flying clothesline and a dropkick sends Big Sexy to the outside, but Kevin's able to pull the stinger out and Conan's able to do some damage while Big Sexy distracts the referee. Sting gets back in the ring, Conan continues to get involved. The classic NWO strategy seems to be effective here, Sting takes a short arm clothesline from Nash and we see a backbreaker submission from Big Sexy. Nash then wrenches down on Sting's neck, Sting gets to his feet and he tries to build a comeback but he takes a knee to the midsection and the momentum gets completely stopped. Once again, Sting gets choked with Nash's big boot but when Nash tries a running corner attack, he ends up smashing his knee on the turnbuckles. Sting now has a target and he begins focusing on the leg, he brings Nash to his feet only to knock him down again with a right hand and then Sting applies the scorpion death lock. Nash has to try to make it to the ropes and Conan's right there to give his NWO teammate a hand. Sting isn't happy about the interference but the match continues on. Sting takes a poke to the eye and Nash delivers a sidewalk slam. Nash once again wrenches down on the neck but Sting gets up and he begins seriously firing up. And Luke, check this out, Conan decides to get in the ring and he just sets himself up behind Nash for the stinger splash. It looks dumb but it's effective because Nash is able to shake off one of Sting's signature moves and he says, sets him up for a jackknife. The commentators remind us that the move's still outlawed, but it doesn't matter, Nash can't perform it, his back's too hurt. Hollywood Hogan appears, Hogan attacks Sting, a DQ finish on Monday Nitro, folks. Nash isn't happy that Hogan just cost him the world title but Sting breaks up the argument by attacking both men. The NWO rundown to attack Sting, Roddy Piper and the Jan show up to clear out the ring. We have no Brad Hart here even though he said these kind of gang attacks aren't happening anymore on his watch, and Nitro ends the exact same way it did last week with Jan, Sting and Piper standing inside the ropes while Nash and Hogan argue on the outside. The main event match from bell to bell was better than Raw's. it's just a shame the ending wasn't a bit more original. Raw wins this week's episode of reliving the war. As mentioned, a lot of nitro matches seemed plucked out of thin air this week and at times, it felt like you were watching guys just go through the motions, whereas over on Raw, things felt more engrossing and there was much more progression. Stone Cold and Vince McMahon were fantastic too and without a doubt that promo was the highlight of the week for me, but if you felt different, sound off in the comments. Raw now has 60 points in our leaderboard, Nitro's starting to trail quite a bit with 54, and we've got 14 ties. In the TV ratings, Nitro scored a 4.6 while Raw scored a 4.4, Raw wouldn't drop below a 4 rating again throughout the entirety of the Monday Night War, so yeah, Eric Bischoff's probably shitting himself.